Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Thank you for responding. It's so fun to be here as part of the Resilient Joy series because nothing we love more than being joyful, right? So it's kind of a departure for me to speak on joy after being known as like the grief share person and like always in bereavement and mourning and whatnot. Nice for me to be able to break out of that. So it's fun to be here today. We have a really fun morning ahead. If it's okay with you, I want you to give me permission to be light with this, with this message today. As I was studying the passage, we're in Philippians 3, and as I was studying it, I just felt like the Lord and I had a really fun time preparing together. And he was giving me some creative ideas that I, I thought I would, I would share with you today. But I have a couple disclaimers um, before we do that. <laughs> Actually, before we get to the disclaimer part, let me back up. We've been in our series now for a few weeks, and we've talked about how resilient joy can be found by examining our posture. Do we have the humility of Christ? Our perspective. Do we have the way, are we looking at the world and our circumstances the way that the Lord would? And then we've also talked about things like, are we focused on the people, the presence, and the promises of God? All of those things go into building resilient joy. But you know, one thing I don't think we've talked about is just briefly, what is resilience? I thought about it all the more this weekend as we watched the trees in our, in our area be buffeted by the stormy, stormy weather that blew through, right? You probably looked around your neighborhood after that and you saw trees that were down, limbs that had broken off, and everything was just a debris minefield. <laughs> At least that, that was my neighborhood. Some of you even lost power as well. Resilience is the tree that does not break in, in times of a storm, okay? It bends a little bit and it pops back up. So I'm not saying that there wasn't a storm, I'm just saying that it didn't break. Okay, so this is the resilient joy that we're going to be talking about. There may be times in your life where you're, you're bending a bit and your joy seems to be a, a little threatened, but by and large, it does not break. It is not damaged. Okay, it's resilient. Okay, so that's where we've been, and now my disclaimer. <laughs> I'm about to butcher every sports analogy Known to man, okay? I, I'm just saying it up front, okay? I, I was given sort of, you know, a feel of sports in this. And then I was like, Lord, this is such a joke. Okay, um, but it's fun. It's fun. So Coach Lasso has helped me understand what takes place in the locker room. <laughs> so I, I know a little bit about locker room talk. But I also wanted to show you, <laughs> I wanted to show you a reason. This is why I don't know anything about sports. I was on the sidelines, man. I was helping all the rest of you get going, all right? So anyhow, enough of that. But that's why I don't know anything. My I, was, uh, I was distracted. But anyhow. <laughs> um, also another disclaimer. Literally, I'm, I'm going to have a language warm, warning in this message. So, viewer discretion advised. So, you'll know it when you hear it. All right, well, let's study uh, Philippians 3. 
Philippians 3, if you're following along with us. Um, you also know that, like, hey, Paul's been in prison. He's writing to this church, and he's got some things to say. As I started this, though, I was like, I think it sounds like Paul the coach showed up to talk to his locker room full of believers. We've heard already in other chapters from Paul the mentor, and we've heard from Paul the pastor. But I think in chapter 3, he's showing up as, as Paul the coach. He's talking to them about the game that's coming up. He's giving them a rundown of what to expect. He's talking to them about their opponent and the strategy to reach the goal. So I'm looking at Philippians 3 as a transcript of what the coach had to say in that locker room. Okay, so he's starting with verse 1. Shockingly. Okay, finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write this again to you is no trouble to me. It's actually a safeguard for you. So he's saying, finally, he's not done with the book. He's just saying, like, I've talked to you about some things before, but now I have something else I really want you to pay attention to. And it's going to be a safeguard for you. Rejoice in the Lord. Why is that a safeguard? I was, I was so compelled by this thought of something keeping me safe that Paul was talking about, like saying, hey, this is your goal, keep going this direction, rejoice in the Lord, it will keep you safe. And the reason I think it keeps us safe is it keeps us from chasing joy in other places where it won't be found, okay? This is going to keep you from being lost as you pursue joy in your life. This keeps you safe. It's a resilient kind of joy. And the point of the passage, I'm just going to give it to you straight. I'm going to give it to you in a way that's familiar. It might sound super catchy, and you're like, wow, Allison, way to craft a killer bottom line. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I want you to remember it, okay? And it's this. It's one of the fundamentals the coach is having us keep in mind. In Christ alone, our joy is found our joy is found. And I see that Hayden was so great when he wrote out Resilient for me, but I actually, in my notes, had written our hyphen joy. Our joy is found. Resilient joy is found in Christ alone. So tweet that. Okay. <laughs> Did it sound familiar at all? In, in Christ alone, our joy is found? It, yeah, okay, good. Okay, somebody caught it. Good. So the coach then goes on in verse 2 to describe the opponent. Who are we set up against in the game today? Remember, opponents are, are the people who are opposing us reaching our goal. And our goal is resilient joy. So Coach Paul's about to say, apparently we're playing the dogs this week. Apparently we're playing the dogs. Verse 2. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, and beware of those who mutilate the flesh. And the team's like, dude, whoa, what team is this? The dogs mutilating the flesh? And he was like, yeah, the dogs. It's those, it's those Judaizers, it's a team across town, who hold oppositional doctrine from those in the church, and in the ancient church, specifically Philippi. These Judaizers are saying, yeah, cool, Jesus and the cross, like that's awesome, but also you need to couple that with upholding the Mosaic law, the Jewish foundation of faith. They're saying, yeah, Jesus, super great, also Judaism. So they want everyone to be circumcised as well as to accept Jesus 
and his work on the cross. And this causes Paul to absolutely lose his resilient joy for a moment. He is going to go on a big-time rant, and he's going to talk against anybody who adds to the work of Jesus in any way, be it circumcision or any other way, because he's saying it's in Christ alone, not Christ plus. Anything added to the work of Jesus diminishes the work he did on the cross. And those of us here in the locker room at Arbor this morning are probably like, yeah, that's so primitive. Like, I would never ask somebody to, like, have faith in Christ and then go get circumcised. Like, that's dumb. But how many of us tend to add to the gospel when they're like, yes, faith is good, but also here's some other things, right? That's a temptation for us. It may not be circumcision, but it could be some other things that we think either show your faith, prove your faith, or earn your faith. And we remember Romans in chapter, oh, what verse is that one? Oh, 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart he's raised him for the dead, you will be saved. Period. Period. Not, oh, and go get circumcised. So we don't add things to add to our salvation, and we don't add to be in right standing with God. Or do we? Things like circumcision or good works. Are we tempted to do that, to lean back on our track record and say, I've earned so many points on the board, and so I'm righteous. I'm in right standing with God. We'll hear more of that in a second. (laughs) Coach Paul is the kind of coach who has already played this game before, so he's about to launch into his lifetime statistics, okay? He is going to talk about the dogs, he's going to talk about his experience, and relate to them about the challenges that they face. So he's already said, beware of the dogs, beware of evil workers, and then he says, we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God. We exalt Christ Jesus and don't rely on human credentials, though mine too are significant. He says the old way of aligning with God, like to be in right standing with him, was to lean on the law and keep every one of them that you could. And by outward credentials, he was, he, like A plus, he got, he got all the rules right, so to speak. And then he goes through his lifetime statistics to explain how easy it is to lean on past performance. If someone thinks he has good reason to put confidence in human credentials, I actually have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day from the people of Israel and the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I lived according to the law as a Pharisee, and in my zeal for God, I persecuted the church. According to righteousness stipulated in the law, I was blameless. That means he got everything right in that Mosaic law, and yet he's so angry and he's all worked up when he hears about anyone adding to the work, of cross, uh, the work on the cross for faith. So his resume is quite impressive. He's, he identifies seven ways where he's seeking his privilege, which he saw once upon a time as putting points on the board to win the game. Circumcised on the eighth day is a religious privilege. Pe- being a people of Israel... That was ethnic privilege. Being of the tribe of Benjamin, the favored, one of the favored sons of Israel, gave him ancestral privilege. 
Being a Hebrew of Hebrews was a cultural privilege. As to the law, a Pharisee, educational privilege. As to zeal, he was a persecutor of the church, which is personality privilege. And as to righteousness under the law, he was blameless, which was moral privilege. Adding any of these privileges to our faith in Christ to justify us in right standing with the Lord or being acceptable to God for any of those reasons doesn't put us on Paul's team. It puts us, or Christ's team, it puts us on the dog's team, actually. It may not be circumcision for us that's the challenge so much, but anytime we're adding to any of those privileges to our faith, we're caught in, in that bind. One of the other fundamentals the coach has taught, he says, in Christ alone our joy is found, and being right with God gives us our joy, or resilient joy. Righteousness is another way to say I'm in right standing with, the God, with God. And he wants to be so close and in right standing with God, Paul does, that it's as if God is standing right there with him. Our right standing can be exemplified by that God present right there with us. So right now we know in Christ alone our joy is found and being in right relationship with him also gives us joy. It's not found in our possessions, popularity, or politics. It's not found in our personality, our portfolio, or our perfection. Coach Paul says to the team that was the old way of winning favor with God. And he of all people excelled in those achievements. But how does he regard them now? Here comes the language warning. Verse 7 continues with this. These assets I have come to regard as liabilities because of Christ. And more than that, I now regard all things as liabilities compared to the greater value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He's using accounting language, math language. I should have, I put it, should have warned you about that too. Like we'd have math here today. But he's saying that what once was an asset, like a good thing in his life and building his faith, it's actually working against him now. A liability is something that is against your account. So he's got this rock star LinkedIn profile. His lifetime statistics, his CV. In the past, these things, these good and profitable things would have earned him a reputation in his faith community as having arrived. He would have been the franchise player. Did I get that right? Yeah. <laughs> he would have had a Wheaties box? Does that still work? I don't know. Do we still do that? He would have been on the Wheaties box. He would have had, he would have been seen as the greatest of all time in terms of faith. And after considering Jesus now, he says all those things are liabilities. All of those things compared to knowing Jesus, they're crap. Language. <laughs> they're crap. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> Anyhow, let's hear what Paul had to say because I know you're like all oh, like curious was that word in the Bible. So let's find out. Uh, verse Eight and nine. I now regard all these things as liabilities compared to the far greater value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. 
for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. Indeed, I regard them as dung, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. My mother is spinning right now, thinking I just used the C word in a sermon. And I'm sure Coach Paul's mom did the same thing with like, the D word, must you, Paul? Really? Do you need to be so crass? So from this point forward, I'll call it poo because it's like a little bit easier to sort of swallow. That sounds terrible, but (laughs) what you need to know about the strong language is he's saying like it's worth us being like offended by that word, offended by something that would compare to the work of the cross and Christ. He's saying you should be upset to hear that word. If I consider any of those previous assets anything of value compared to what Jesus did, like you should be so offended that that would even be a thought, right? So he's saying no, none of those things add to the gospel. They have no value at all. It's the stuff that we flush. It's the stuff that smells. It's the stuff that's gross, gross, it's poo, okay? All of those things that once counted for him as righteousness, they're dung. So I have, I have some beautiful examples here. I, I thought, you know, I can't teach without having an illustration. It, coincidentally, my trophy broke on the way up, which <laughs> I think is awesome because it's just, sorry, John, this was yours from third grade? Did you say? Boys Club Fifth Grade Championship. I'm so sorry. I even thought I could get away without breaking it during this time. But alas, I, I apologize. Anyhow, is this a diaper? Why would I have a diaper up here? It's because what is this now? This is poo, right? I'm so sorry again. I mean, my apologies. We talked about this before. But I've got a diaper pill over there, and I'm not good at this. Coach Cool, Coach Cool, come up here and help me for a second. I saw you walk in. Where are you? Come on, Coach Cool. Let's hear it for James. Yeah, you need to rebound that man. Rebound into the... Fade away jumper. Elbow straight. Hand in the cookie jar. <laughs> no rebounding. Okay, I'm going to pass you the next one, and then you're going to rebound it in. Or wait, not rebound. I'm just going to pass to you. Okay. Okay, so that was a trophy of anything like that you had achieved in the past, right? The, the illustration is anything that you once counted of value, it's actually poo right now. So um, what else? I love this one because this represents arbor. It represents um, anything spiritual service oriented. So sometimes people just knock themselves out serving the church and they're thinking, this is how I'm like super good with God right now. But actually it's poo too. (laughs) In comparison to the cross. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. All right, man. I need to work on my passing form. Okay, 
Anything else that you have regarded as a win for yourself? Somebody was like, wow, you're just so awesome. You are all the things. And you're like, actually, I'm not really. Don't hurt them. Okay. I should do, what are the ones, chess pass, where you go? Poo! Good. You guys are waiting for the big one, Hera. This is our practice. This is our practice. Actually, do you think you can take a pass from like center court? Oh, oh. Yeah. Do I have to then shoot it? Yeah. Okay, so thank you. What was in here? This was really sad too because this was my husband's uh, part of his trophy um, from, from Microsoft, and it represents lots and lots of hours added or value added to. Work, work, work. So anyhow, what is it now? It's, wait, what is it now? Yes, thank you. Okay, now, are you ready? Oh. <laughs> okay, I'm already blaming this on the restriction of my jacket. Oh, coach, coach. I'm a little nervous for this one. I think I should probably have you near the rim for this one. Okay. Uh, I know. This is my daughter's piggy bank, which, you know, it's seen better days. Um, money, power, position, prestige, anything that comes from secular um, investment added, not eternal value added. You ready? I want to dunk on this one, all right? I want you to dunk. <laughs> I love it. Yeah? Sweet. Woohoo! Thank you, that is all. Thank you. Um, yes. So the Lord and I had fun preparing this message, and he was like, really, how can you, like, if you're going to talk about poo or dung, like, what next? So I was like, diaper pail? This is having a woman in leadership, what it looks like, right? So anyhow, back to the locker room. The, oh, and anyhow, never mind. I shouldn't have gendered that. Parents take care of their children's diapers. It's not just the woman. Sorry. Caught it right there. Okay, so Paul is going to continue in verse 9. He says, My own righteousness is not derived from the law. I know I have a righteousness, but it comes by way of Christ's faithfulness. A righteousness from God that is, in fact, based on Christ's faithfulness. So he's saying anything we have a value in ourselves that is in right standing with God is not because of the works we've done. Not because of any of that. It's not because of any of our privilege. It's because Christ is awesome. Christ did the work for us. Everything we have that is good has come from him. Not because you're so great, okay? We're not able to keep the law perfectly. We're not able to earn. Any of this stuff would be poo compared. And then the coach says this in verse 10, our aim, this is our life goal here, the game goal, is to know him, to experience the power of his resurrection, share in his sufferings, and be like him in his death, and somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. 
His team is like, whoa, coach, you're like super intense here. What, what does this mean? And he's saying, I want to be so close to Christ that like when he weeps, I feel like weeping. If he suffers, I suffer. If he's joyful about something, same with me. He wants to be that close to Christ. And I know that you know what that's like when you have loved someone so much and you have been in such close relationship with them that if you text them something, you almost know for sure how they're going to answer or what emoji they're going to use when they reply back to you, right? It's like you know each other so well you can almost predict that. Paul is saying like, I just want to be... I want to be united with Christ. This is my desire. And the team is like, oh gosh, I don't know if I can get to that goal. That seems like a really high goal. But Paul says, you know what? Not that I've already attained this. That is, I have not already been perfected. But I strive to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. And Eugene Peterson, I love the way he phrases it. He says, I am not saying that I have it all together or that I have it made, but I'm on my way. I'm well on my way. I'm reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Isn't that beautiful? It's like, I, I'm just going that way. I'm reaching out for Christ. And he already, I'm finding that he's already been reaching out for me. So there's a collective sigh in the locker room. Everybody's like, oh, okay, I can do that, I think. So Coach Paul is experienced as he is, and he's so good at his faith, and already we've seen such outward privilege that he has. But he's not telling his team, like, hey, here's another box to check. Like, because, like, this is what I've done, so you guys need to do it too. There, he's like, just keep going. Just keep striving. Don't give up. The perfected Christian life is not a product, it's a process on this planet Earth. I haven't attained it yet, but here's one last thing I'll say before the second half. (laughs) I don't know what game I'm in. Uh, Anyhow, the second half. Before the second half, here's what you need to know. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to have attained this, but instead I'm single-minded forgetting the things that are behind and reaching out for the things that are ahead. With this goal in mind, I strive towards the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Forgetting the things that are behind. That means your biggest successes, but also your biggest failures. It means your best days are behind you, but also your worst days, okay? Your best moments and the worst are behind. And the things that you thought might have disqualified you from this race, they are behind you too. You need to forget them, flush them, (laughs) right? Slam dunk them into the diaper pail. Coach Paul says, keep going, reach out, strive. Don't give up The the race, the faith. Keep going. It's Jesus who's calling you higher, and I love this. It's called an upward call. I focused on that so much this week because I just kept thinking, it's not just about finishing the race when you're on your deathbed and you're in your like last half breath, you kind of say, Jesus rocks, or like, I trust the Lord. There's no like, nobody's asking you to only answer the upward call on your last breath in your deathbed. 
though that's going to be a victorious end for sure. The upward call is happening now. The upward call of Christ Jesus happens now because now you're hearing me say it, you're reading it in scripture, and it's from this point forward to your deathbed last breath, okay? What is an upward call of Jesus? It's daily knowing that your race has direction. Daily, today. Christ is calling out for you, cheering you on. He's coaching you. If you listen to him, you can hear him say things like, don't give up, follow me, forgive, love others, pray for your opponent, do not fear, do not be anxious, go and sin no more, go in peace, repent, forgive. The upward call has a direction and a destination which is in Christ Jesus. Daily we get to run the race and fix our eyes on him, right? And go in his direction, upward. And we're all well served to keep our eyes on that prize that gives us resilient joy. Because don't forget, our joy is found in him. You may be listening though this morning and feeling discouraged. You feel like you disqualified yourself along the way. There's something that you can't forgive in yourself. Or maybe just the race seems too long and you've given up, you just, you don't feel like you're strong enough to finish. Or maybe you've fallen and your injury that you have right now it doesn't seem to threaten just the heat that you're finishing right now. It feels like it's gonna take you out of the game altogether. Here's something I want you to consider though. We're going to close out this message with an illustration from real, real life. And I want it to serve as an encouragement to you. When the road is long and the race is painful, or you feel too broken to carry on, I want you to remember you're not alone as you strive for that goal. The presence of the Holy Spirit is there to help you get up off the ground, to whisper back to you the things you need to hear for your race. It could be one of those things that we've said before, like, hey, love others, forgive, move forward, repent. Or it could be just like, hey, don't fear. Come on, don't be anxious. We got this. And the Holy Spirit is the one who is going to help you finish this race and get to the prize, which is Christ himself, who is calling you upward, heavenward, to himself. Our resilient joy comes from knowing that we don't have to be flawless in this race, okay? In Christ alone, our joy is found he who has called you is faithful and given you the upward call. He is faithful. Rejoice.